Hey y'all, before we jump into today's episode, we would like to invite you to a special event we're hosting on May 30th called Women in Whiskey. Join us for an adult field trip filled with Southern fun at the Jack Daniels Distillery right here in our home state of Tennessee. Get ready to learn while sipping. We will be taking a private tour of the distillery, enjoy a barbecue lunch on the beautiful hillside, and partake in early happy hour with cocktails provided by Jack Daniels as we listen in on a conversation with women who work in the industry. The conversation will be led by yours truly, your hosts of the Steel Magnolias podcast. Learn more about the event at steelmagnoliaspodcast.com. You can grab your tickets there and we cannot wait to see you on May 30th. And now on with the show. Well, lots of us are thinking about what we want to read, either in the backyard hammock, on the beach, or just in your bed before you fall asleep. So today, we're going to chat about female Southern authors. We thought we might inspire you on what your next pickup at either the library or on Audible or at the bookstore might be. So, meet you at the table. I'm Lainey. And I'm Laura Beth. And we are Steel Magnolias. The strength of steel with the grace of a magnolia. We are here to have uplifting conversations about life in the South. And we've got plenty of room at our table. So pull up a chair. Welcome back to the Steel Magnolias podcast. First off, I would like to thank our patrons that make it possible for us to now be well over 150 episodes into this podcast. We have a small but mighty group of monthly supporters, and we'd really like for you to check it out if you haven't already. We offer all kinds of perks, including a bonus episode, and all of our memberships are $20 a month or less. So, This podcast is free, but the perks and the extras are all available at patreon.com slash steelmagnolias. So please check that out. The link is going to be in the show notes. And I would like to give a special shout out and thank you to Jennifer of Gallatin, Tennessee, who just crossed her one year anniversary of supporting us. So thank you. Thank you, Jennifer. It's people like you that make this possible because we do have some cost around all this fun stuff. For sure. For sure. Okay. Well, it is Women's History Month, which is what first sort of pinged our, let's put this in the month of March. On the, co- on the content calendar, but it's also turning into spring break and summer reading season yeah, very quickly. Exactly. So I just feel like it's a f- very timely topic to talk about some classics and some fun reads by Southern women. Yes. I'm. Sometime we're going to do the Southern men, too. Oh, for sure. They'll get their own episode, too. Yeah. But ladies first. And we could even do poets. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just so many... Mm-hmm fun topics yeah we could even do only modern day southern authors yeah some of the authors we're going to be discussing are still living but we could do like real modern day you know if you've only ones that have published in the last 10 years or something that would actually be really cool so anyway okay let's see where we go today because y'all know we haven't Uh, (laughs) looked at each other's notes or anything well can I start by saying that I'm leery when we mention authors of any kind because 
I feel like I'm endorsing them and their storylines. But if y'all have been listening a while, and <laughs> I think you know I'm super sensitive in different topics and storylines. Oh, yeah, me too. And what I read, what I watch, things that I listen to. A lot and of, intentionally don't watch and don't listen to. Yes. A lot of even PG-13, I, I rate that as an R. That's just my my barometer of content. And I'm talking about just for myself. And it's not from a prudish standpoint so much as it's from a I want to live a peaceful life standpoint, I think, right? I mean, that's what it is for me. I don't watch Dateline because I can't. I There are some storylines of just... We don't want to tr- know how wicked the heart can be. And I, I have lines from like interviews that I still can't get out of my head. I, things just, certain things just stick with me. Yeah. And I think that's true of a lot of people, but I think a lot of people dismiss it that it's normal. So I have recognized that it's not normal for me. And so I don't read a lot of content, including some of the stuff we're going to talk about today. <laughs> I ha- I take a pass on, but I recognize the importance of it in the literary world. So well, that's kind of like, it reminds me of, let's say a movie wins an Oscar. Yes. Okay. That doesn't mean that necessarily it's going to be something we like the content of, but it does usually mean there's some sort of reason it excelled. Sure. Sure. So yeah. Same with a, if somebody book wins a Pulitzer Prize. Yeah. You don't have to like what the author's about you don't have to like the content but it does typically mean they've excelled in some right way yeah according to some panel of judges right and I'm not on that panel so I'm just commenting on some things some other people recognized so let since you mentioned Pulitzer maybe we should just start Let's just start with and some they, I didn't work. even realize there was ca- so many categories of mm-hmm. journalism arts letters music I didn't, I didn't either I just yeah. mostly think about like the fiction right. aspect of a Pulitzer Prize. But anyhow. Well, if you are one that uses the resource Goodreads, if that if you like goodreads.com, you can actually find a category of Southern Pulitzer Prize winning authors. They're going to be grouped male and female together. That would have been nice for me to know in <laughs> prepping for this as I went digging. Sorry, I should have texted <laughs> that to you. So I... And anyway, a lot of people use Goodreads. So if you want to even just uh, source it through that, you can definitely do that. The men and the women are there together. But it does kind of feel like we should maybe start with the author that has an enduring legacy who penned the most popular American novel ever written, Miss Margaret Mitchell. From Atlanta, Georgia. Yes. Uh, Yeah, so I just recently re-listened to this book. Gone with the Wind. We haven't even said the title hours. yet. We just know. We just feel I like. I gave 50 hours. You finished it? Oh, I finished it. It's 50, so fabulous. 50 hours. But I feel like in saying that it's fabulous, I need to preface. Yeah. I'm not one that wants the old South to be back. Yeah. In fact, if I had lived at that time, based on the family I came from, I would not have been living in a plantation home anyway. Right. So I'm not wishing for that. Right. I'm very uncomfortable with any book that uses the N-word 
meaning on the race issue. However, it is both black and white characters that use it in this book. And it's so weird to me. Yes. So weird. Yes. Because I don't hear it often, except maybe in a rap song now. Yeah. Yeah. And... It's so Which weird. Which we listen to a lot of. Oh, Y'all yeah. know that. If you know us well, you know we're regular. So all of that makes me really uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. However, the themes of this book, the survival and perseverance themes, the love and relationship and figuring out even sometimes too late. Right. Yeah. How that all... Those storylines are so fabulous. The character development to me is so good. In yeah. this book, and so many different characters, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the importance of land and your roots—just all of those themes make me love this book mm-hmm. and, so much. And like you said, they are timeless. We're all kind of still yes. thinking about that today. Well, and it was interesting. A lot of the themes of war uh, really had me thinking about the day and age we're in. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. some people make it seem more glorious right. some people you know than it is right it's a horrific thing right and so yeah the themes are timeless i love it so it was published in 1936 and it quickly became a bestseller it won the 1937 pulitzer prize and in 1939 um the film was the film right. and we did a whole episode on gone with the wind i think it was season one probably that was during the time in our content where we were pairing a lot of topics together we thought we needed more than we needed live and learn so i'm not even sure if we felt like we gave it the full extent of what it comments that we wanted but i do remember and i'll link to that in our show notes if you want to go back and listen to it well, I think it's a thousand pages, so it's going to be a doozy to dive into, but man, is it good. All right. Gone with the wind. Next. What's, what's Pulitzer, what else won a Pulitzer Prize? Well, in 1939, Marjorie Rawlings won for The Yearling. Yes. So this is, she was a, uh, lived in Florida most of her life, if not all of her life. And The Yearling was also made into a movie. So some of you may be remembering, I believe it was Gregory Peck was in that movie. Oh, really? Okay. Anyhow, themes of this book would be like a young boy coming of age, um, family themes, definitely a lot of themes of man in the natural world, some Mm -hmm. hunting and Mm -hmm. different things like that. Mm Mm-hmm. I believe this book is on some middle school, maybe high right. school reading list. Yeah, yeah. But I would recommend this book. I started reading it, haven't finished it. So maybe there's something in there that I'm going to go, ew. Mm, yeah. But I yeah, I think it's a pretty good one. Coming of age is a flag in any description for me, <laughs> be it a coming of age boy or girl story. It just has... A theme storyline that I'm like, ah, I don't want to be reading about this. So, okay. isn't but that's in a lot of descriptions of some classics. It is. People love a coming of age story. Yes, those shifts in your mm-hmm. innocence and all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What you got next? Um, let's see. I don't really have any particular 
order I'm going in, maybe we need to mention Eudora Welty. Okay, go there next. So the Optimist Daughter, the Optimist Daughter is the story of Laurel McKelva Hand, who is a young woman who has left the South and returns years later to New Orleans. Everybody loves a good setting of New Orleans, right? Where her father is dying. And yeah. after her death, she and after her... His death. Excuse me, after <laughs> his death, after her father's death, she goes with her stepmother and back to the very small town where she grew up and she starts to understand her past herself her parents grieving it's a lot about grieving that expressions of grief and loss and yeah so i haven't read this one but i do think that sounds good yeah I, i like anybody's exploration like you were saying about gone with the wind of their roots yes it's just a nice journey because I think a lot of us see ourselves in some piece of it. Yeah. So, and as I'll mention later on, Eudora Welty is a favorite of other Southern authors. Oh, for sure. And so, ding, ding, ding. Like, okay, your your radar should be going off that she's one to be considering a read from. Now, she bo- was born and died in Jackson, Mississippi. So we've talked before about Mississippi having so many good authors for sure. and storytellers. For sure. I deemed it the storyteller state, you know. That's right. (laughs) That's a good one. Well, we can't go much longer without talking about Harper Lee. Yes, yes, classic. To Kill a Mockingbird, which won the Pulitzer Prize in 1961. Yes. She was an Alabama native. Yes. Lived there, I believe, her whole life. But what a great, great story of justice and courage, bravery. Mm Mm-hmm. Racial prejudice, mm-hmm. um, lots of things, topics covered and themes covered in that book. This is still at the top of most public high school reading lists. It as should well. be. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. It is a classic, and it too turned into a feature film starring Gregory Peck. That's yes. not who you were thinking of. No, I mean he's, he's in he the just was too. a big actor at that point. Yeah, so, and Robert Duvall, who took on the role of the mysterious Boo Radley. That's right. So, yeah, that one is a classic and synonymous with Harper Lee. Some of these other authors went on to have larger catalogs. We're really focusing on the ones that they won a Pulitzer Prize for, but... I, I mean, Harper Lee and Killing Mockingbird. That just That's what she was known hand. for. Yeah. Um, she was a very dear, close friend of Truman Capote, who we'll have to include in our men's sure. episode as well. But yeah, let's talk Alice Walker. Okay, for born sure. Born in Eatonton, Georgia. She won the 1983 Pulitzer Prize for The Color Purple. So the interesting piece about this novel is that... She wrote it in African-American Southern vernacular English, which had never happened before for an entire novel. I'm sure there had been essays or, sure, you know, articles and things that had been written in that language. And it's all written as letters to God, which is a very interesting format. Yes. Too, to pour, you, I mean, you can sense the pouring out of your heart yeah. in these letters. It documents very traumatic things. Yeah, the themes of this one make me squirm. But again, teenagers in traumatic situations that they, of course, should never have had to walk through. Sexism. Yes. But it's violence. It's definitely focused on the two sisters and their relationship of 
parallels that they have in their lives and they both encountered horrible difficulties I think another theme of this is just the power of your voice Mm. that comes out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, she's still alive, right? She is still alive, I believe, 78 years old-ish. Yeah, she was born in where, Alabama? Uh, Eatonton, Georgia. Georgia, excuse me. She's now in Northern California. Oh, Is what I read. So, again, this one's on a lot of reading lists. If it were up to me, I wouldn't have my high schooler reading this there's too many other good classics yeah out there. in fact i went to see this movie with a f- friend of mine and she brought her family and uh, i was squirming yeah at yeah, some of it yeah i didn't yeah know that some of the themes that were in it were going to be in it that's hard because when people hear classic or they've heard a name or a title whether it be for a book or a film over you almost and over, feel like it's safe you do yeah. In the sense of not going into deep waters like that. And yeah, I'm sure they had to have some conversations after because that was. Yeah. So somewhat. that was that was a pretty big film for Oprah Winfrey. Oh, for in sure. In her acting career. And then, uh, gosh, we've covered The Color Purple on a previous episode, too, because I'm remembering us now talking about. Fathom Events put it out yeah, again on yeah, its anniversary. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's why. Okay, so Alice Walker, Color Purple. Who else? I don't think I have any other... I think that might be it. Pulitzer Prize winners. There's a lot more Pulitzer Prize winning men. Yeah. Authors. Southern men authors. I do have a couple more, like, uh, that I wanted to discuss that are deep and unusual. Okay. Can we go there? Yeah. So one of the most famous Southern authors female authors is Flannery O'Connor. Yes. Born in Savannah, Georgia, died in Milledgeville, Georgia. And she is known as um, using the Southern Gothic style writing. Yes. Okay. Because we both want to talk about this. And and just say, I want to get Flannery O'Connor because there are so many people that I love and respect authors and other public figures that like her. Right. She's a devout Catholic. And I, and I know that that plays into her writing and theme and the themes that she writes about or what she's. Yeah. She, she has passed away. She so only, I'm saying what? she only lived to 39. She had lupus. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. She had lupus. She wrote two novels and 32 short stories. And yeah, so she she lived from 1925 to 1964. So that's an interesting time to be alive. Yes. But she her characters are grotesque. They are in violent situations. This is why we have a hard time. She questions ethics and morals a lot or she's trying to have the reader question ethics and morals and which sort I of think a is part of her Catholic Mm-hmm. devout upbringing and that plays into some of these themes okay destiny free will things <laughs> like that things like um and i love those things moral decay i love moral discussions yeah it's the the 
manner in which she paints it that I really have a hard time with. Now, there is a great local bookstore here in Franklin that has awesome Southern authors and great great highlights for locals, sections, local writers. They have a quote up from Flannery. Okay. And again, see, she's highly esteemed. So that's why I'm like, I want to get her. So here's the Flannery O'Connor quote. Whenever I'm asked why Southern writers particularly have a penchant for writing about freaks. I say it's because we are still able to recognize one. Whoa. Now that is fascinating. So what, yeah, what does that say to you? What is, how does that sit with you? This is what I, this is how it sits with me. We still have a plumb line of what is socially acceptable. Yeah. Whether or not that's right. Sure. I'm but we saying, have a We have a plumb line for yeah. what is socially acceptable. And if it's outside of that, we raise an eyebrow. Yes. Whereas in some places, literally anything goes. Yeah. it's it's And you're frowned upon for raising an eyebrow. Right. Because now you're the bad guy. The lane has widened to that's all socially acceptable. Yeah. That's yeah. what I think that yeah, means. I do too. And I don't believe with her devout Catholic upbringing and knowing that that's important to her, that she is literally esteeming these behaviors. I think she's wanting to point, like just get discussion around Yeah, just have things. the discussion, point it but out. But yet we have a hard time with her, both of us, separately. Like, Yeah, so a good man is hard to find. 1955 that's a big one that's a short story and of hers doesn't that title in like draw you in yes i was like oh this is going to be all about how to be a good southern gentleman oh no no so i I don't want to we've talked about it oh or was that on a bonus episode just for our patrons i don't know if we talked about that publicly on here or not another famous one that i was familiar with was the violent bear it away okay which comes straight from a scripture out of matthew okay and it has a lot to do with you know religious themes violence etc yeah so yeah she's an unusual but has to be mentioned but has to be mentioned and yeah i still want to get it i just kind of don't yeah We're going to get messages on that one. Oh, for sure. And that's fine. I welcome it. You may just be smarter than me. That's right. Maybe that's what it is. Help me understand. You have a literary lens that I don't, and that's fine. I get that. Help me understand. Okay, Zora Neale Hurston. Did you look into her at all? A little, yeah. She's since passed. She was 1891 to 1960. So she, uh, born in Alabama, died in Florida. And she had a 1937 novel, Their Eyes Were Watching God, Mm. that was um, quite renowned as well. So all four of her grandparents had been born into slavery. As I mentioned, she was born in 1891. So, I mean, that alone sets up an author to bring a perspective that is raw, it's heart-wrenching heart-wrenching and yeah what that would do to your psyche I don't even know but she was an anthropologist which you know just means she loved that study of culture and the impact that it's having um, through different ways but her father was a Baptist preacher and sharecropper who later became a carpenter 
and her mother was a school teacher. Okay. So I feel like I bet her they mom were shaping culture. I bet her mom and dad were very shaping of yes. her and their community for yes. sure. Because they had both of those jobs. They had roles where they shaping. were Yeah, where they were speaking to the those around them. Well, obviously that book's gonna deal a lot with race and racism, judgment, jealousy, love and desire. Yeah, they have she has some of that vernacular in there in bits and pieces. So like in the color purple. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like I pulled a little quote. Two things everybody's got to do for themselves. They got to go to God and they got to find out about living for themselves. Okay. Sorry, that took me a long time because we're not used to reading like that like that that rhythm is a little difficult but yeah yeah that search for unconditional love that only comes from god Mm -hmm. i hope she lands on that that's the only place you get that i do too i do too anyhow animals are a close second to me yeah (laughs) i have a i have a friend of mine who is a huge Lee Smith fan. So I want to mention oh, Lee Smith. Yeah, let's go into some like lighter fun yeah, stuff. Yeah, because <laughs> those were all kind of transition. <laughs> so Lee Smith is still alive. And this is this is from my friend Lindsay, who lives in Charleston. She said the thing that sticks out most about Lee Smith is her authentic Appalachian voice. The way she's able to capture the true dialect of someone like, say, my grandmother in the written form, I can hear her talking by the way she writes. That's so precious. Um, it's, it's received well from the community when you've been in the community. Yeah. And you're not writing about it. Exactly. You're not reporting on you're it. You're in it. Yes. And she is from a small coal mining town. So she also says that what she loves about Lee Smith is the way she uses women's lives um, and tells the story of our ancestors through their eyes. She said it's been a really long time, but she read oral history two different times and absolutely loved it. She went on to read Fair and Tender Ladies after that. So she. I want to read that. That's written in letter style. I think I would love it. Oh, you would. Yeah. Letters. And it covers a broad span. I want to say. It's like World War One or two through Vietnam. Okay. I was going to say about forty years. So. So, Yeah. So she was dating a guy. This is again still my friend talking about how much she loves Lee Smith. (laughs) She was dating a guy when she was in college, and he was going to Appalachian State, which is in Boone, North Carolina. And they made the entering freshman class read oral history okay. by Lee Smith as an introduction to the area. That's cool. So students that were coming from outside of Appalachia had a true flavor of the people that lived there. Cool. I thought that was really good. And so anyway, that's actually how my friend Lindsay heard about Lee Smith was this guy she was dating had to go read okay. oral history. And that was her introduction And then he passed well. it on, yeah, to her. But she's she's got several different titles out she did a a book uh that's interesting to me called the last girls i think is the title anyhow it's uh these girls have in high school gone down the mississippi river yes and then later have a reunion and go down the mississippi river i think on a cruise cruise. so that sounded cute to me yes yeah that does sound cute 
Okay. Patricia Neal, anyone? Oh, go there. AKA Fanny Flag. That's right. Sorry, I thought that's where you were about yes. to go. Okay. I was just going to say one of our favorites and prior guests on the show. What an honor that was. We did get to interview her. And so I'm definitely going to link to that in our show notes if you're a Fanny Flag fan. She is still living, of course, and she is 77 now. I think Ish. so. Yeah. Yeah. Born so in Birmingham. She calls Birmingham home. She's now in California as well. Splits her time. I think so. That's my yeah. Understanding. Yeah. Early in her career, though, she was known as an actress and a comedian. Oh, for a long time. Yeah. So in 1987, she published Fried Green Tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe, which remained on the New York Times bestseller for 36 weeks. I've read uh, several of hers. I really liked a book called Standing in the Rainbow. But she has dyslexia. She mentioned that when we when we talked to her. And that's just interesting to me as a writer. Yeah. That she overcame. So she told us, again, I'll link to the show notes if you want to hear our full interview with her. But she came as a young girl to the Santa Barbara Writers Conference because her idol, Eudora Welty, was going to be there. Yes. So we mentioned Eudora earlier. And they were assigned to write a short story while there. And the theme had to be childhood. So she sat there a little nervous because she has dyslexia. She's writing out her story, which actually was Daisy Faye and the Miracle Man. And she decides, I'll write it as if this is a sixth grader writing. Because that way... They won't notice. It would make sense for there to be mistakes. Yes. Well, it's amazing. Here comes Eudora Welty announcing her as the winner of the so short sweet. story. And I guess you'd say the rest is history. So she's uh, been acknowledged in lots of different realms. In 2012, she won the Harper Lee Award for Distinguished Alabama Author of the Year. That's awesome. And then this is kind of unique, I would think, for a writer. She got an Academy Award and Writers Guild Award for Best Adapted Screenplay. I the... love it when the author of a book writes the screenplay. Yes. It's the closest you're going to get. That's right. To the film actually resembling it in some their way. their nod. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I love that it's almost like a insider sort of thing to know. She uses a lot of her characters in other novels. Not in their entirety. But she would... Just have them, if they've been a main character in one book, they're a side character in another. And it's just fun to notice that. Totally. And I bet you they're people that she really knew. You know what I mean? Like based on like her favorite aunt or her. Yeah. But you might be reading one of her her novels and go, neighbor Dorothy, isn't that the woman that had the radio show in Standing in the Rainbow? You know, and then you, so it's just fun. It almost feels like a little inside secret kind of, if you know, you know. So yeah, I I definitely love Fanny Flagg and have read several of hers that are, they are fun and light reads. Great for the beach. Mm -hmm, For sure. I read one that I think would be great for the beach recently different author that one of our listeners told me about, Beth Hoffman. Okay. The one I read was Saving Cece Honeycutt, and it takes place mostly in Savannah, Georgia. Adorable little read. That's a great Um, title. Saving Cece Honeycutt. So check that one out. Laura Beth, I think you would like it. It's it's cute and (laughs) mostly light. There's a couple of things 
maybe if you're listening in the car, you wouldn't want your kid to hear, but not totally inappropriate or anything. But it might make you squirm a little. Yeah. You know, another book I really enjoyed that I wanted to mention on here because it's newer is Where the Crawdads Sing. Got to mention it. By Delia Owens. And uh, it takes place in the Louisiana, like, swampland, basically. Yeah. Yeah. But very interesting read. And there will be a movie of this coming out July 22nd of this this year. year. Okay, cool. You might want to read it before the movie to see if it's... Even well, close. she she had all the particulars of the wildlife in that book because she is a zoologist, and I love that she's seventy two years old. And this and was, that was her first. Yeah, first I novel. I love that so much. There's hope for me. First novel. <laughs> I know. I loved the quote I recently saw that said uh, something to the effect of, "Don't ask somebody that's made it on a forty under top forty under forty list how they got there." Talk to a 70-year-old bestseller. I love it. That had their first novel, you know? So good. So, it is fun. All the generations need each other. We need to pick each other's brains. Yeah. But what I did hear from this list is almost all of these have been turned into films. That's so interesting. So, that is, I guess, just a almost like an easy script. If it's a best-selling book, then I bet it'll do well at the... I always say at the box office, but that doesn't even, that phrase doesn't even really apply anymore. So weird. Well, almost always the book is better. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah, almost always. Some of them get pretty close. Yeah. But the book's always better. And I think that goes to you, you, the reader, get to make the character how you you envision them. And when that doesn't match up to what you see on the screen, there's a disconnect because you've already walked the whole journey with this character and here they are looking different or acting different. Or I'll tell you something else that really affects me. Maybe this is an immature thing, but I think one of the reasons I really love British and Irish movies is I don't know those actors. Yeah. So I don't have a preconceived... True. You know, if it's... Jennifer Aniston, I have my own thoughts of what she's like. Yep. Yeah. Be that good or bad. Right. Or whatever. But if it's this yeah, random lady that looks pretty normal, she's a little pudgy and doesn't have perfect teeth. Like this is somebody that I actually might know. Yes. Unlike the Hollywood beauties. Yes. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. And I think that's why books also, you can have them the way you want them exactly. to be. Exactly. That makes sense. This was fun. It was fun. So we wish you all happy reading. And Lainey, peace be with you. And also with y'all. <laughs>